0: He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... now. Now! The OG of Jets Podcasting and Vlogging is back.
1: Just when I thought I was out, they pulled
0: me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett.
1: I'm back, the real me, let's
2: not make a whole thing of it.
0: And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton.
2: Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella.
0: And Josh Conrad.
2: Oh, my brother testify
0: on Turn on the Jets Digital.
3: Welcome back to There's Always Next Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And while Josh Conrad won't be able to join us today, I am ably joined by our own Travis Milton, who you can follow on Twitter at Dash37board27. We are recording on Monday. We're going to be talking about the Jets' loss to the Cincinnati Bengals after three games. But Travis, first, before we start with all that, We've got to get to the important stuff. Um, I need to know some of how your Thanksgiving one, what was some of the best things that you cooked and you personally um, ate over the, the Thanksgiving break?
4: Um, oh, man. So, uh, I was really stoked about my turkey. Um, I kind of went like uh, trash gourmet on it and grind yes. uh, yes. it in like a, a ranch solution. So, instead of ranch dressing, I did like so some buttermilk.
3: Not like ranch dressing from the
4: fridge, like just the like the powder stuff? Well, I put a little bit of the powder in it and then like a ton of herbs, um, okay. but uh, mixed it with some water, some buttermilk, a little bit of vinegar, and let the turkey brine in that. Oh, shit. And uh, um, then when I took it out, I patted it down and I took a, bu- a bunch of uh, the same herbs, mm-hmm. mixed them in some mayonnaise, and coated the whole turkey in that.
3: God, that sounds amazing. So now here's something like for me as a casual cook, like I would put butter on the outside of a turkey. But why would one put mayonnaise on the outside of a turkey? That sounds so wrong. Sounds it goes so back.
4: Wrong. It goes back to so when I make grilled cheese, I don't put butter on the outside of the bread. I put mayonnaise on the outside of the bread.
3: That is a Southern thing that I've learned and I've adopted. And my kids, when I make a grilled cheese, they're like, this grilled cheese is great. And 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 then I tell them I put mayonnaise on the outside and they get mad They're like, at me.
4: gross. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But then they still eat the, the grilled cheese. So, okay. So, yeah, so like it's the, the same mayonnaise. principle.
4: Yeah. Same principle. The mayonnaise breaks down. So, mayonnaise is eggs and oil. Mm-hmm. So, the oil, you know, separates from the eggs and it caramelizes that on the skin. So, you get like this super... Super crunchy, like nice, golden, caramelized you know turkey skin that's that's oh, just awesome
3: that sounds delicious, and then you said uh, you said earlier we were talking before we started, you said then you do something with the turkey skin later, which sounds awesome
4: oh yeah, like like when i put it, when I put it in the fridge the next day, I take it out and I pull all the skin off the turkey and I put it in a cast iron with a little bit of oil, and I make uh, essentially like turkey cracklings. And like pork I pork rinds yeah, out of just, turkey skin. Yeah, I just fry them up, <laughs> and then I put those on my turkey sandwich, so it's, like, nice and crunchy.
3: So you get the crunchy kind of bacon Oh sauce. yeah, It sounds amazing. The I, best thing I
4: had, though, was my friend, uh Christelle. She made uh this cranberry persimmon sauce. So it was, like, cranberry sauce with orange and persimmons and all kinds of, like, fancy stuff, and it was amazing. Uh
3: Persimmons are a weird fruit to me. I don't really understand them. I have a friend who has a farm and they have some persimmon trees, but I don't know if I've ever even eaten a persimmon. They're kind of like in the apple pear family, is that right? What are they? Um, Yeah, they're
4: kind of in the pear family a little bit, but they're softer. um, Almost like a a mango to it, like a little bit.
3: Almost like creamy. Um,
4: Yeah, and uh, they're super soft and they're ripe and they're a little citrusy and sweet and um, they're really cool fruit, but they, they have a very short lifespan
3: uh okay interesting yeah I've never had that I'll need to have that well some of the best things that I had I'm trying to think um I hosted and so we did a lot of cooking so I would say I would say it's not as, <laughs> it's not as amazing as yours although I did I did brine our turkey in a gingerbread stout uh there's a local brewery here in Richmond called Hardy and they have an amazing kind of Christmas time beer called gingerbread love tout. it and that was pretty good. It, I, I might not be able to taste it as much. I think I didn't brine it as long as I needed to. But that was pretty good, and everybody thought the turkey was great. So that's a win. Um, and then we have a cousin who makes um, – like this is kind of a classic you know, dish in the South, but corn pudding, which is oh, yeah. something that I ever had before moving to Virginia. But that was one of the sides, and that's always one of my favorite sides. It's just kind of like a corn – custardy uh you know sweet side dish like uh sweet potatoes or something like that that was amazing um yeah that was so that was pretty good from my end um but i think we we do need to talk a little bit about and i definitely want to hear from josh when he's back next week because i was reading his timeline over the uh over the break and he had some pretty good uh pretty good quips there so we need to get some more from him um apparently their family things started taking a turn and they went to, you know, backwards albums, uh, satanic backwards albums. And, yeah. I was cracking that, up over that. Yeah. That, <laughs> I was Like, I mean, more details on that. We definitely had those conversations in the eighties in my family, but we're still not having those conversations. So I'm curious <laughs> what, uh, what were, what were some of the things I think the best thing that I heard over Thanksgiving was, so my mom, so my, my dad died like 15 years ago. My mom has a boyfriend. He's British. And we were—I was just kind of—we've been watching The Crown on and off or whatever. So I was asking him about the the royal family and what he thinks of the royal family, and he's not a fan. And, uh, and you know, like, I think the best the best quote was, um, you know, "quote Prince Charles went to Oxford and he's an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> it like, nice. I mean, was like, talking a lot about how he, you know, he feels like they are a drain on the British economy and kind of a, you know, distraction. And then just saying that, you know, they're afforded things that others aren't afforded. And so that was the quote. So I don't know what was the best, worst convert. And so then, you know, people were like, oh, should we be talking about politics? And I was like, this isn't really politics because it's like British politics. So it's not really real. It's only real to like one out of the 15 people that are in this house. Uh, but what were some of the best, worst comments you heard over, over Thanksgiving? And you don't have to say who said them uh, to, you know, to kind of, you know, make things anonymous. But I'm curious, what were some of the best, worst stuff you heard?
4: I was able to steer clear a lot, through, you know, past a lot of the, the, the political mm, conversations good. and things mm-hmm. like that. So I was stoked about that. Um, I think most of the weird conversation came when we decided we were going to play a mashup of Cards Against Humanity um, <laughs> together with this Parks and Rec Cards Against Humanity so it was like <laughs> we were getting these combo cards of like half of it is like this this super raunchy dirty statement and the other half is John Ralphio going it's the worst
3: it's the worst <laughs> yeah, you know it was like crazy. stuff
4: like that Like I that was it. actually uh, hilarious so you
3: like mixed the decks together you shuffled them in <laughs>
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty So now good. it's
4: it's all ruined forever now.
3: <laughs> yes, right. It's like now you can't unthink any of those things and nope. and disconnect it from watching uh, Parks and Rec which is pretty fa- fantastic. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. well, it was a good it was a good to get away from work uh, probably the most painful thing that I ever well uh, other than the the British comment, my daughter, my youngest daughter who's six said to me the other day, we were, I don't know, playing with Legos or doing something around the house together. And she made the comment because, you know, I'm, obviously I'm home for four days straight and that's very rare. She's in school, but you know, I'm not around as much as, as, uh, as my mom, as, as her mom is. And so she goes, uh, it's been so great to see so much of you. Like I haven't I had this much time with you, and I was like, "Oh, thanks for the dagger to the heart." That was, that was awesome. all right. Good. It's cold blooded. Yeah, it's cold blooded. Yeah, she's she's learning early. The uh, the shade is being thrown early. In the bathroom. that's hilarious. So uh, so anyway, um, all right. So so we have to start talking about the game. I saw this headline and I couldn't not share it with our audience, which is uh, this was from an ESPN um, Cincinnati Bengals reporter, I think is, it's like Ben Baby, his name is. And this is the headline, Bengals avoid 0-12 starts, beat Jensen, <laughs> Dar- Dalton's return as starter. So I was, I, I had to, I kind of saw it and moved right past it. And then I had to go back and reread it because I was like, did he just write avoid 0 and 12 start? Because my, my point here is I don't think you really start a season. Like 12 games is not the start of the season. In fact, no, I, th-
4: I think four games. Right? I think that's, yeah. Thank you.
3: You, can't, you can't use start past four games. I agree. And so, so the fact that he's using an 0 and 12 start of the season is a pretty good indication of how bad this Bengal team are, aside from their 0 and 12 record. And aside from the fact that, you know, Andy Dalton obviously was out and Ryan Finley played for for a good majority of those games, Um, but still like, just watching this game yesterday, I was just, it was so uninspiring on every aspect and then anything good happens and, you know, it's a Kelvin Beecham holding penalty or a, uh, whatever whatever happens and you're just like oh okay okay Th- yeah yeah and this is the team i remember from four yep. games ago and so I, like having watched it i mean i don't want to be you know beating a dead horse here but what did you see when you watched this game well, let's just we'll, we'll talk about offense we'll talk about defense um but like you know offensively right i think we were kind of saying before we started They got off to a good start, and then it was just totally uninspiring. Uh, What did you see as as you kind of watched the game and kind of watched it unfold? Were you just thinking, uh, you know, it's going to go the classic Jets way, or were you – how did you feel kind of after the first
4: half of the game? I – oh, my God. It it looked so clunky, and it really – I thought that that entire game kind of encapsulated – one thing that I've always heard about Gase, and I think I, I even saw somebody tweet about this as well, is that he's the most stubborn son of a bitch ever. And, yeah. you know, he had, like, the Bengals pretty much on paper have given him a perfect game plan. Run the game, mm. you know, or, I mean, run, run the, ball. the ball. Yep. Um, you know, uh, get Darnold away from Dunlap. You know, roll him out the other way. You know, like, everything that that I think every – single jets fan could have thought and put into a game plan was the absolute opposite of what he did not saying that you know obviously he's he's that you know NFL coach we're not but I think that we even saw how to win a game against this team they're 0 and 11 they're one of the worst defenses especially run defenses the worst with giving crushers and he yeah. like played into their hand it, it was it was, it, was, it was just, I don't know, it, it seemed so idiotic and so stubborn to me that he made no adjustments throughout the game. Even that first drive, like, looked a little clunky to me mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the last, you know, three, four weeks. But yeah I mean, the, the game was just a big old pile of dog shit, like, from a, a, a game plan, you know, standpoint.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I would say there was a lot of attention if you kind of look at the narratives coming out of the game. There is a lot of attention on why didn't they run the ball more Um, And I get that at the same time. I also, I'm, I'm warring with that. And as I think to myself, because it's like, you know, they're not getting a lot of yards from the running game. Um, You know, Le'Veon Bell, you know, for as good a player as he is, like he just can't create yards with this offensive line in front of him. So I do understand the idea of like, why would you run him 30 times if he's getting two or three yards of carry um, or even if he gets 23 yards of carry, as we saw happen with him, and then 18 yards with Khalil Powell, um, you know, it's called back due to a holding penalty or something like that. So, yeah, so there is this sense of like, I get why they're not focusing on running the ball, and I get why um, you know people are concerned and frustrated in the fact that they didn't run the ball. But what I never hear people talk about and like have seen in the, in the last 24 hours is why aren't people talking about the fact that their pass defense is even worse than their run defense? Like if you exactly. go to outsiders and you look at their team defense and you, you know, you look at their efficiency, their DVOA is actually like their, 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 pa- their run defense is bad, but their pass defense is actually worse. So, so the point is like I get why Gase was trying to throw the ball and I get why they were trying to make it work. But right. If, if the skeleton key to making that work, Travis is, is, um, is stopping Carlos Dunlap and you can't do that, like, wh- you know, what are you left with doing? And so I, I was confused, right? If like, if if you are going, I'm, I'm more concerned. I'm not, it's not so much the running game. It's to your point of if you're going to, if you're going to focus on the pass and you're going to pass the ball more, fine. Then neutralize Carlos Dunlap. But if you can't neutralize Carlos Dunlap, then you got to figure something else out. And that's, that's, yeah. my, that's my criticism of, of the game plan. Right? Do you kind of agree with that? It sounds like
4: I do. um, But you know, Le'Veon Bell was coming off his best game of the season in in you know against the Raiders. I think he had like 106 yards. Um, I mean, yeah, kind of all-purpose
3: between run and pass. Yeah.
4: And with with everybody's like bullshit praise of the offensive line leading up to this, I I just kept reading articles and laughing to myself. Um, (laughs) you know, like like Manish is writing like. You know, the, the hidden gem behind this, this, this win streak is the offensive line play is, is, yeah. has gotten so much better. And then Gase is talking about how they have played so much better. And I'm like, what, what are you guys watching?
3: No, yeah. It, it, it's a fact of you're playing the Giants. You know, you're playing, you know, the, the Raiders. You're playing, you're playing some teams with uninspired, you know, pass, pass rush. And yeah. and as a result, like yeah, it's it. And I think we kind of said that, right? The three of us, you know, Josh, yourself, and I, we talked about that. Yeah, we're seeing things better. Yeah, Sam Darnold has more time, but yet let's also re- remember the fact that this is, you know, this is also a function of who who they've played and exactly. remember who they were when they were playing the Patriots and the Jaguars, who have pretty good pass rushes. And so while I, you know, I'm always a, you know, the truth is somewhere in between what we see and so right I, I don't i mean certainly it's it's embarrassing that the jets lost to an own 12 team and they've also lost to the you know to the dolphins um in the same season but but, but the first
4: it, team in nfl history <laughs> to lose to two teams that were oh and seven or worse it's in amazing. the same year we call
3: those slump busters right yeah the uh, Jets oh, are yeah. the
4: slump busters oh my god <laughs> It's the but, most embarrassing uh, stat.
3: Oh man, and 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 right. I think as we know, and as you know, Chris Johnson has told us. You know, we're in this for another year, and yeah, and for as as many Fs as co- as as Adam Gase has gotten this year in report cards from or you know from around the the beat, like. I don't imagine that that would change, but I certainly think losing to a team like the Bengals certainly doesn't help your your cause. And we'll talk about the Dolphins uh, kind of at the end of this in, in, a, in a little bit, but before we, we talk about the fact that uh, – before we talk about the Dolphins game, um, we also have to talk about beyond the, the uninspired play on offense, right, aside from maybe that first series and then the series, you know, that they kind of rushed down the field at the end of the half to score – to score the next field goal. I mean, and that's it, right? All they got out of those were were field goals. Yep. Um, you know, we have to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, similarly, Greg Williams' defense was not playing well. And, you know, I, I get Greg Williams looked great against some bad offenses. Um, you know, Andy Dalton comes back from injury, um, has a pretty decent game. You know, he's, he's you know, threading the needle to, to Tyler Ball, Boyd and Auden Tate and C.J. Ozoma. The tight end is having a pretty good, good game. Um, uh, Mixon is is working in well on the uh, as a as a, a runner. You know he had a number of, of kind of big plays where he was yep. able to just kind of knife through the defense or s- turn a swing pass, you know, into a into a 15 yard gain for the team and you know, that sort of thing and you know, just killed the Jets all day. And so so when I think about Greg Williams, like and kind of what he did, I certainly think Adams' injury plays into that, but. Um, you know, was there anything particular when you kind of watched the game yesterday? Was there any particular fatal flaw in what the Jets did as a game plan, or was it just typical Greg Williams, Greg Williamsing?
4: I mean, it it really did seem like both Gase and Williams kind of reverted to their mm. their same form and game planning mindsets uh, that they had when we were losing every single game, and yeah, uh, you know, the the safeties were playing off. Um and I think uh, I think a little bit of that was function over form in, in you know with Brian Poole getting injured um, mm-hmm. and uh, because he's become a pretty integral part of, of why the defense has played good when they've played good mm-hmm. uh, that combined and with Adams um, yeah. I I didn't see Marcus May do a single thing and I am one of the biggest yeah. Marcus may supporters. yeah I like
3: him but I mean yeah this this
4: year has really soured me on his play um,
1: he. he for like a number I, of
4: he was, he was invisible. Um, the, you know, Quentin Williams hasn't done jack shit. Um, he's having an okay season, but like for somebody with the hype that surrounded him, um, I expected a whole lot more, uh, out of him and the rest of the defensive line. Like there was no pressure. Um, it was, it was just very tough to watch. Uh, nothing they were doing worked. And I don't understand why there weren't more adjustments and if there were adjustments, I didn't notice them, and that's even worse.
3: Yeah, I, and and I think that's the thing too is you know watching Quentin Williams play. Now I get it; he's a rookie. I understand he's young. He doesn't have the support. But you know, we saw we saw some good games from this defensive front over, over the last month. But uh, I I certainly looked at you know the box score uh, of the game yesterday, and just you know ha- having watched the game, I just Right, my whole problem with this kind of you know uh, overinvestment in the defensive line, especially like in the interior defensive line, like, it's like here we go again, like here we go again. Now he's a talented player. I know he's going to play better. I know he's been disruptive and will and will be disruptive for this team. But it's just hard to not have that feeling of oh man, like here here we go again. Um, you know, with another player where we overinvested in a position that's just Largely irrelevant to, you know, the overall function and success of a team. And well, we've so, seen
4: four players do it leading up to this in the exact right. same spot. Like, right, whether exactly. it be Mo, Wilkins, Mo, uh, Mo Wilkerson, uh, Sheldon Richardson, Jefferson. Leo, um, and now Quinnen. Um, I, it's, it's, it's very maddening.
3: Yeah, and so so I certainly think he could be a great player, but I just – like, right, history tells me we're going to be back here – in three years, and like, you know, Meh. Nah, he's all right. I mean, I don't know, he's fine, but like, that's kind of where I feel like fans are going to be on him. They'll kind of
4: he's doing the dirty work, he's not getting yeah. the stats. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm,
3: I'm yeah we're going to have that. Yeah, exactly.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. They named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
5: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball, we're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020. 2021 college basketball season I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more you are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher TuneIn or wherever you get your podcasts
2: play like a jet play
1: like a jet Hey guys, before I give you back to Brian, just want to remind you about the great deal that you can get over at Vivid Seats when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. You can see the Jets and the Dolphins again because the rematch is coming up this Sunday, but it's not in sunny Miami this time. It's here in New Jersey, so if you want to go see the Jets and the Dolphins and you don't have your tickets yet, you want to get good tickets at a good price, go ahead and download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now and use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. You'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can go to that Jets-Dolphins game or you can go to something else. If you want, you can go to a wrestling match, you can go to a boxing match, you can go to a concert, a hockey game, a basketball game, anything you want. Whatever it is you want to go to, just download the Vivid Seats mobile app, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. All right, Brian, sorry about that. Go ahead, my man.
3: So the other thing we have to talk about is you know Jamal Adams and, and his injury. Uh, oh, and Actually, before I touch on that, I do want to say uh, one of the interesting things was Daryl Roberts, who was active, only played, I don't know, less than 10 snaps, um, and we saw Kennedy play a lot. And so I don't know what the Jets are doing, if they're – kind of going down the stretch and they're trying to, you know, assess who and what they have, you know, for, for next season, maybe that's part of it. Uh, But yeah, I was confused in in some of the players and and how they played. And while Blisson Austin has been good in stretches, you know, we're, we're starting to see what happens over maybe a longer stretch. So I, I certainly am going to watch him closely to figure out if he's right. Kind of, you know, where we would slot him in. We've talked about that a little bit in in previous weeks, Uh, but I want, I'm going to watch him very closely over the next month because I want to get a sense of, do we need one or two players ahead of this guy Uh, or, or zero players ahead of this guy? And I think, I think it's going to, it's at least one, if not two. Uh, But, but yeah, we're going to have to figure out what to do about him. And so I'm going to be watching him closely. Um, But Adams, Jamal Adams after the game, he was obviously upset um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the performance. And so here's some quotes from the, from the New York post. I couldn't perform Adam said with his voice cracking. I felt like if I just shut it down, I was letting teammates down. I couldn't do that, man. I did what I could. I don't think I could affect the game. Like I wanted to, but I held my own. I was in a lot of pain, but I couldn't let my buddies down. Um, I'm more upset that we lost. Uh, I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. Uh, I'll be fine. It's just adversity. We'll figure it out. Um, And so the fact that, in a lost season, you know, Jamal Adams is certainly obviously playing through pain um, uh, in an injury and he was seen in a, I think in a protective boot, leaving, leaving the stadium later on, Uh, you have to wonder what they will do with him going forward. Right. Because if he's not in terms of really going to trade him, but more in terms of how do they protect him and set him up, for a longer term for his longer term prospects, because we've seen him be disruptive and right to your point, Marcus may is not able to uh, you know, when Jamal Adams isn't playing, you know, well, or because he's injured or whatever, isn't able to, uh, you know, take over that one, you know, that number one role and kind of be the disruptor that Adams clearly is. Um, He's a great sidekick, but but little, or he might even be a detriment, but he, he's a sidekick, not a not a superhero. So, yeah. so you know, when, when I think about Jamal Adams and I think about what their goals are with him, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do. Do you think they'll, you know, like he'll push to play or they'll limit him over the course of the next month? I mean, we'll just have to see kind of how his practice patterns, you know, go over this week and the next couple of weeks. But if you're... In the room with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas today, talking about how they're going to, uh, you know, what they're going to do with Jamal Adams. Like, how would you, how would you try and play it out over the last, you know, four games of the season?
4: I mean, I think it's a touchy thing. It, it goes back to that, uh, the point of you know, if he, I know he wants to go, and his emotions are super high, and I think it, it boils down to them just being ultra communicative with him. Like like sit down like every minute, like that they can and say, you know, how are you feeling? What are you doing? This is what we see. We want to protect you, but we know that you want badly to be involved. You know, th- these are things that we can do to keep you involved without putting you in in danger of, of re injuring, continuing the injury or, or hurting yourself more. Um, but at the same time doing that without expressing the the, the, the elephant in the room of the season's done. Um, right. There's no reason for you to be out there uh, because I, 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 as, as high of, of an emotional competitive player as he is, I, I feel like that's just a bad message to send to him, um, even if it is the actual message. I think that they've got to, they've got to tiptoe across some lines a little bit. Uh, but I, I actually couldn't find anywhere, like, the extent of his injury. Gase didn't even address yeah. it in the post-game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I saw him limping uh, during the game. It looked like his ankle. Um, he's in the boot. But, like, I can't find anywhere, like, what is actually wrong with him. Um, yeah. And I think so, it'll just so – I think that that's, that's a huge factor, too, as well. Right. I mean, obviously,
3: it's enough that he's, he can walk around on it and he could, you know, stay in the game – um, you know, so he he's okay with that, and obviously, you know, the, the protective boot is a little bit of uh, kind of one of the most overrated. Uh, oh <laughs> things, <yeah. laughs> things in sports these days. You know, a lot of uh, what do you call them, orthopedists or whatever they prescribe these. Like, I have friends who run marathons and ultra marathons, and I'll you know I'll see them in a protective boot. And uh, oh my God! Like, what happened? Like, oh, you know, I you know, I, I ran forty miles, and you know, my my foot really hurts
4: now. And so I've been yeah, there for two weeks, I've got I've got two of them because of my my ankles from from playing like well before and like the yeah. injuries I sustained. And I I'll just put them on and wear them like around the house just because it, right. like it, it helps a little better better. On the ankle it helps, it, helps yeah. it
3: rest the muscles or whatever. And right, so I think you know there, there's a lot of like I think while it's certainly notable, I'm not saying don't report on the protective boot reporters definitely report on it at the same time i think there's it's it's a um doctors are over prescribing it now because it's only helpful and therapeutic for players and kind of resting yeah. up for when they really do need it because yeah like you'll hear about it like my you know my, my marathoner friends and they're like uh, yeah, but I'm running, you know, I'm going to run 15 miles in two weeks, so it's no big deal. Like, okay, but you're wearing a boot. So so there is he, this kind of push-me-pull-you thing with it where you see somebody wearing it, and you have to, you, you kind of, you go on high alert, but the truth is, right, it, it is more preventative or protective um, for just kind of your
4: average walking around to kind of get them ready for when they do need to go. He did say something, though, and, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the actual quote, um, when he was talking to reporters about uh it being some kind of crazy nightmares accident or something like that that why he couldn't oh, and right. i was like what yeah what and
3: it's like- hard to know if like that's just like the adrenaline or right, yeah like, like what is it right so yeah that certainly bears investigation so we'll call on the, the play like a jetters you know <laughs> news news team assemble right? <laughs> they can they can figure it out call out the seashell that's right exactly thank you ron um, uh, so before we go, we, let's talk a little bit about the Dolphins. So the Dolphins, I saw this tweet from, from our buddy Josh, who couldn't make it today, where it sounded like Bovada opened and the Jets were were uh, negative seven against the against the Dolphins. And so and Josh's response is, "Why?" And so, my, so my question is, do you think the fact that the Jets like have already lost to the Dolphins? and they lost to the Bengals, um, and they're, you know, they're, I guess, laying seven points. I'll double check this, but I'm pretty sure that's what uh, Bovada is saying. They're, they're uh, like, do you think the fact that they're just trying to bait Jets fans into betting on this game and then getting their, their hopes crushed? And Because Vegas always, like, my thought on Vegas is they always know more than we do. So are they just trying to bait? you know, hapless Jets fans into betting this game or like what is happening? Why would you, why would they put the Jets negative seven? Okay. It's now to, it's now moved already overnight to um, the Jets are laying uh, five and a half points to the dolphins um, at home. So the line has moved from seven to five and a half since that initially came out already. Are they suckering Jets fans into this bet? What are they trying to do?
4: I think always, yeah, like like the initial line is always trying to sucker people in because I mean the line is gonna, the line's gonna shake itself out to what's probably a little closer to what's going to happen as the week goes along. I think that's completely, completely the fact. Um, I uh, bless their heart for trying to give a little bit of hope um, and make a little <laughs> bit of money, but uh, I, I I don't see it.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I okay if. If the Jets – like, I, the Jets will win this game. I fully believe that. They might win by a field goal, um, it, you know, three, four points at the most. Um, and so, like, I could, I could totally see that playing out. But, I mean, really quickly – I know we've got to run here in, like, three minutes. But, like, what happens – like, just imagine the, the post-apocalyptic situation that we get to Sunday night this coming week and the Jets have lost to the Dolphins.
4: What that's, happened? that's, I'm on that side of the fence. You may, you may be on the, oh, we win by a field goal. I'm, I'm, I'm on the side where I watched Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker freaking destroy just the Eagles. Um, yeah. and the Eagles are pretty good. Pretty I mean, good they're team, not, right? I mean, they're not, not
3: great, but they're better than the Jets by far, for sure.
4: Yes. And they're better than the Raiders and they're better than anyone that we've beaten. I mean, we obviously, we lost to the Eagles. Um, I, you know, I think we've seen enough of Fitzpatrick to to know his streakiness and things like that. But that was something I hadn't seen from the Dolphins all year was the just the efficiency that they were that that tandem was hitting on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the one thing that that they have that is like seriously dangerous. Is like if Fitzpatrick gets in a groove and he gets in a groove to Devonte Parker, then there's there's some trouble and. With Poole being injured, maybe not injured. Mm. Jamal Adams being injured. Yeah,
3: watch the Adams. Like his yeah, sure. Mollett,
4: Canada, and and Oof. and Austin in the secondary. Like I'm, like I really am Worried. not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at this as, as a a game that I'm thrilled to watch. Um, I I think this is going to be another L for us, and um, I'm not stoked about that prospect. But I think that that's going to be the outcome and the that, might be, that, that might just be me that might just be being being uh hung over from the Bengals game but also hung over <laughs> so <laughs> well
3: we will we will talk more about this next week and kind of the how things shake out um post dolphins um so thank you for for listening thanks travis for joining me thanks josh for trying to be available but for his day exploding on him and uh, we will talk to you next week. Make sure to rate, like, and review the uh, Play Like a Jet feed. Uh, thanks so much to Play Like a Jet. Thanks so much to Scott and all the folks who do all such fine work there. And thanks also to Turn On the Jets. Make sure to check out their feed too and rate, subscribe, and review there. Thanks so much. Have a good week. We will talk to you post Dolphins.